The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. We're going back today to a sermon preached back in 2020 entitled Abraham's Cities. At first, you might think that's a misnomer because Abraham didn't have any cities. We're not talking about cities that Abraham built. We're talking about the cities that he pitched his tent beside. There were several of these cities, and there's some great symbolism in looking at these cities and what they were like. The first half of the sermon deals with the city of Ur and begins to deal with the city of Sodom. Ur was the city behind him. Sodom was the city beside him. In the next sermon, we'll deal with the city that was before him. Like Abraham, we have a lot of cities that we pitch our tent beside in this life. Some are cities that are enticing to us, but the city that we ought to be most enamored of is that city before us, the heavenly city itself. Join us today and tomorrow for this sermon entitled, Abraham's Cities. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in the 8th verse, we read this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The Lord being my helper tonight, I want to preach to you about Abraham's cities. Abraham's cities. Now, at the outset, you may look at me and say, Brother Chris, that's really a misnomer. That's not a, a proper topic because Abraham didn't build any cities. And that's true. He didn't build any cities. As a matter of fact, we read and just read here that he, he dwelt in tabernacles. And that's literally tents, movable, um, nomadic uh, type dwellings that allowed him to move from place to place. He never put down roots. You don't see a city called Abraham anywhere. You don't read about it in the, in the history books because there doesn't want, there's not one that exists. But some, I think four or five years ago, I preached to you about Abraham's tents. And that sounds more appropriate, doesn't it? Because that's what he did. He pitched his tent in various places. But tonight, I do want to preach to you about the cities of Abraham and not the cities he founded or the cities he built, but some three cities in particular that played a, a huge part, a big role in the life and sojourning of Abraham. You see, Abraham didn't start out as the friend of God. We know him today as the father of the faithful, as the capital F, friend of God. He was called that in the word of God. He was, we know him as a faithful servant of God, of Jehovah God in the Old Testament. And, and in fact, we need to take his example of faithfulness to our, to our own breasts and use, use that in our own lives because he was faithful in so many areas. But he didn't start out that way. And that's what I want to talk to you about first of all. I want to talk to you about the city. There was a city that was behind Abraham uh, as, as we read about him here in the book of Hebrews. There, there was a city behind him. It was a city called Ur of the Chaldees. And you'll notice in verse 8 here, it says that he was called to go out of this city. He was called away from this city. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, we read about what God did with Abraham and about his calling. In verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12, it says, The Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And he goes on to talk about the blessings of, of doing this. And in verse 4, it says, So Abram departed. In other words, God said, Go out, and Abram left. He went out. He said, God said, I want you to get out of the country that you've known all of your life, the country that you grew up in, the country of your heritage where your family lives, and everything that's familiar to you. And I want you to leave that and go to another place. And, and essentially what he's saying is, this city that's behind you, I want you to forget it. I want you to put it behind you. I want you to forget it. This was a place, by the way, 
called Ur of the Chaldees. It's in the Chaldee Mountains over in the Middle East. It was, in the, it was a Sumerian type city. It was a culture over there that you read about in, in your uh, history books about to be in the cradle of civilization. And, and in Abraham's day, when he was still called Abram, by the way, uh, Ur of the Chaldees was one of the main trade cities uh, in that area. It was one of the places where uh, people from India, people from Afghanistan, people from all over the Middle East and the Near East, and even some, no doubt, from, from Europe and, and, and Asia came in to, uh, to do trade there. And in the middle of this city, in the middle of this place, there was, there was this huge uh, stone ziggurat. And a ziggurat is just, uh, it's like a pyramid, okay? But it's, uh, it's not exactly a pyramid like in the Egyptians built. But it's, it's, a, it's a stone temple dedicated to pagan worship. It, it, it was, in essence, you would go to this city, and as soon as you saw the city on the horizon, you could see this stone temple like a pyramid rising high into the air. And you knew that you were not going to a place that was filled with Jewish people who were, who were worshiping God according to the law, but that you were going to a place of pagan worship. Now, now, before you start jumping on me saying, well, there weren't any Jewish people this time. I know that. I get that. I'm just using that as an example uh, because, you know, there was a time when after Moses came along and ultimately David and Solomon built the temple, you knew where you were in Jerusalem. You could see the temple and you knew what they stood for. But in the same sense, this temple to pagan worship stood out among the ancient Near East. And in fact, uh, just we don't we're not told much about Ur in the, in the homeland of Abraham in Genesis chapter 11, or really anywhere in Genesis. But if you'll turn with me over to the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, in the 24th chapter, uh, of course, uh, there's a statement in the 24th chapter that's often misunderstood and misapplied. A uh, very famous statement, uh, choose you this day whom you will serve, okay? I, I'm not, I don't have time tonight to preach about that and to put it, but I am going to put it in its proper context. Let me just say this. This is not a statement telling people that they need to make a choice, a decision for God, they, that, that it's up to them in order as to whether they go to heaven. That's not what it's talking about because the context of this is very simple. Joshua is giving the people of, of, uh, of Israel here a little history lesson about where they came from. And, and the first thing Joshua says in chapter 24, after he's gathered them together, in verse 2, he said, Thus saith the, the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. In other words, the place where they were, Ur of the Chaldees, okay? That place was a pagan place. It was a land of pagan worship. He says, And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. In other words, he was in Ur and I called him out of Ur because that was a pagan land. They had this pagan worship going on there. And ultimately, I brought him to the land of Canaan. And that's the, res the result of all that is that you and I are here today. That's what Joshua was saying. And by the way, just to complete the picture, if you look down with me in verse 14, after he goes through all of this about the, uh, 
uh, the various uh, uh, the various pagan worship that it, uh, types of pagan worship that it was going on in the land of Canaan, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, Ur of the Chaldees. He finally says in verse fourteen, "Now therefore fear the Lord, that is Jehovah God, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood." That's a reference directly to to Abraham and and, and Ur of the Chaldees. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And now here's the famous statement and this is the proper context. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. In other words, if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to serve God, Jehovah God, then choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, the choice here is not between giving your heart to God or not. <laughs> That's not the choice here. The choice is, is, is simple and clear. He says, look, there's all this pantheon of gods out there among the pagan worship of the day. In fact, you could go all the way back to Ur of the Chaldees, to Abraham and his parents and his ancestors before, on the other side of the flood. And if you're not going to serve God, you might as well pick any of these. They're just six of one, half a dozen of the other. He said, if you're not going to serve Jehovah God, then you might as well serve the gods that Abram served in Ur. You might as well serve the gods of the Amorites or the Hizzites or, the, or those other Canaanites out there. <laughs> But he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve Jehovah God. See, that's the context there. But the point of all this is that the place that was behind, the city that was behind Abraham was a pagan city. It was a land without any light, uh, at least any true light. They, they may have had, and they did, had the, as, as all children of God do who've been born again, had the word of God written in their hearts. But the knowledge of what that was had escaped them. They had no light there. There was a city behind Abraham called Ur of the Chaldees, a pagan city with no light. And you know, back in Hebrews chapter 11, in the continuing discussion here of Abraham, the, God inspires the writer to write this in verse 15. Truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, if Abraham had kept his mind in the past on that city that was behind him, and that's all he thought about, and that's all he stewed over, he, he longed for, if he kept his mind on that country from whence he had come, then he might have just gone back to that same country. If he kept his mind constantly on the past, on the city behind him, he'd have been tempted to go back there. So you know what Abraham had to do and what God is telling us we need to do? Forget it. <laughs> the city that's behind us, the city that is in our past, the pagan cities of this world, forget it. Don't keep your mind on that. You know, I believe this is a type to us or sort of a... Uh, helps us to understand the new birth because the city that we came from, the place where we were before we were born again, according to, uh, according to scripture, was a place that was only conducive to pagan worship. 
You know what, he, what does he tell us in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14? He says the natural man, the natural man, that means the man who's only been born in nature. He's not been born again. He's only been born in nature. He's had a natural birth, but he's had no new birth, no spiritual birth. And that natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. And not only will he not receive them, it goes on to say, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. In John, the fifth chapter, I believe it is, about the 39th verse or 40th verse, uh, he's talk, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees there. And he makes this statement. He says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. You know how many people believe that you can achieve eternal life through learning and studying the scriptures? That's what the Pharisees thought in that day. In fact, the Pharisees really didn't care about keeping the scriptures. <laughs> they said, just study them and learn about them. Some of the other sects in that day, they, they actually promoted uh, uh, godly living, but, uh, but not the Pharisees. They said, you just got to study them, and that's how you'll get to heaven. <laughs> he said, search the scriptures. You think in them you'll have eternal life, but you know what they are? They are they that testify of me. And then he goes on to indict them, not to invite them. Understand, what I'm about to quote to you is not an invitation, it's an indictment. He said, and ye will not come unto me, but ye might have eternal life. I know, and I'm not, I'm not casting stones at anybody because I've been there myself, but I know primarily in the religious world that's taught as an invitation. Oh, if you will just come to him, he'll give you eternal life. He goes on in the sixth chapter and says, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. He said, he said there's no ability within you. That's, you know, that's where you have, to you have to marry Scripture to Scripture. You have to understand the Word of God. You have to rightly divide it. Notice that that is not an invitation. An invitation would be, oh, if you'll just come to me, I will give you eternal life. That's not what he's doing. There's a difference in an invitation and an indictment. He's indicting their human nature there. He says, you will not come unto me. I often get, and I've had this conversation not too long ago with someone about the great, wonderful doctrines of the sovereignty of God and salvation. Sovereign grace. The doctrine of election. The doctrine of, uh, uh, that God chose his people in Christ before the foundation of the world and that he predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son Jesus at the end of times. Isn't that a glorious doctrine? But people get upset about it. They get agitated because they don't understand it. They, they, they get twisted up on it, if you will. And one thing that inevitably that I will get, and you will too if you ever talk to people about it, somebody will come up and say, well, what about the person? What about the person who wants to go to heaven so bad, uh, but they weren't chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and therefore they can't? That person does not exist. The person who has a desire for Christ, a sincere love of God, and a sincere desire to be in heaven, that person, that's the strongest evidence I know that he is a child of God. That's the strongest evidence I know that he has been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. 
You know, that's the beauty of being a believer. Did you know that? that, that listen, let's don't sell believing short. <laughs> Sometimes we get hung up on the fact that the Bible is, is clear that there are many children of God out there that, that don't believe like they should. There, there were those Jews in the 10th chapter of Romans that were struggling to go about and establish their own righteousness. They didn't believe in the righteousness of Christ, but they were children of God because they had a zeal of God. And, and a, non, a, a, a reprobate, someone who's not been born again, has no zeal of God. But let's don't get hung up on that to the point of saying it doesn't matter whether you believe or not. It absolutely matters. It matters to you. It's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to keep you out of heaven if you don't believe. But praise God, it's going to help you to understand a little bit about heaven if when you understand and believe what the Bible's taught here. <clears throat> See, this is a... I believe this is pointing us in some ways to the fact that there is a city behind all of us. There's a place behind all of us that is a pagan place, a place devoid of God, a place empty of light with no understanding of what it is that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, with no desire to serve him. We see nothing to indicate in the scriptures that Abraham had any desire to serve the true and living God until the true and living God had a desire for him and said, I want you to come out and go with me. See, you never notice how God's always the one that takes the initiative. But here, after, but think about this, after Abraham was called out, you know, that's what reminds us a little bit of Romans 8, 29 and 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Listen, more than, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. That's the new birth. That's being called out. We've been called out. Peter tells us that we have been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light in reference to the new birth. We were in darkness. We were in a place where nothing was there. God was not there for us. He was there, but we didn't know it. <laughs> you know, it's like all, it's like Brother Buddy's preached before. In order to understand the things like that, you've got to have a receiver to get it. If you, do you know there's cell phone and radio waves passing through this building right now? There, there's all kinds of uh, TV, probably, there's, there's a TV signal probably permeating this building right here. But, but it's not bothering us. You know why? Because we don't have a receiver to receive it. They're passing right through and we're ignoring it because we can't see it. We don't have a receiver to receive it. But if we had a receiver, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I don't, I don't want let, to let you in on a little secret. We got Wi-Fi here now. <laughs> but you don't have the ability to receive it because we're not giving out the password, okay? <laughs> so we don't want all everybody out there playing, you know, on Facebook while I'm here, unless you want to put a picture of me on Facebook. But anyway, uh, that's so, but, but that, we don't want all that, you see. You don't have a receiver to receive it. It's like that in the new birth. Until you have the new birth, until you're born again, you don't have a receiver to receive the things of the Spirit of God. But after you've been born again, after you have been called out of the darkness into His marvelous light, there's a place behind you that you need to forget about. There's a city behind you, like the city of Ur of the Chaldees, that is filled with nothing but pagan worship. There are temples there to pagan gods. There are, there, you say, oh, I, don't, I didn't have a temple to, or an altar to a pagan god. Well, would you, rather be, would you rather be fishing than in church? Would you rather be at a sports event than in church? That's, if, if it's something you put ahead of God, it's something you worship, you see. 
And back then, that's all you knew. So we need to move forward. The city behind Abraham, the city behind us, we need to forget about that city. But then as we continue reading about the life of Abraham, in verse 11, listen to this of, of Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Through, I'm sorry, it's verse, uh, verse 8 of Hebrews chapter, verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 11. After he is called out, it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. You know, there was a, there was a city beside Abraham. There was a city beside Abraham. You remember that? We read about it in Genesis, the 13th chapter. The city of Sodom. The city of Sodom. Look with me back over to Genesis, chapter 13. Look at, look at verse 10. And you remember the story here that, that, that Lot's herdsmen and, and Abraham's herdsmen got into a fuss. And, and Abraham, trusting God, went to Lot and said, you pick which way we go. If you go to the right hand, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left hand, I'll go to the right. And Lot evaluated the situation based on the circumstances and what he could see, as opposed to evaluating it according to faith in God. In verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. Now, now you that are farmers out there particularly, you're going to, I mean, you've you got to agree with this. You've got to agree with Lot's assessment, just looking at it from a natural standpoint. Because listen to it, it was well watered everywhere. That's one of the keys to a successful garden, is having the ability in, in a place that's dry to water it. And he looked down on that plain and he said, man, it's well watered. This is perfect for my, for my cattle. It's perfect for my crops or anything I might want to grow. It was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. There's a lot of preaching right there in that, in that verse. A lot of preaching about why you don't need to go down to Egypt in the first place. Egypt is always a type of the world. And if you remember back in chapter 12, Abraham took Lot and all of his family down into Egypt. And Lot brought some, some ideas out of Egypt that, that haunted him for the rest of his days. He looked at this plane. He said, man, that looks like Egypt to me. And it was enticing to Lot. And then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And it talks about them separating themselves. And Abraham, we're told in verse 12, dwelled in Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's z-i-o-n-p-b-c-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.